1: Receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JustBaseball when you sign up. Disclaimer: 21+ plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. US promotional offers not available in Washington DC, Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington DC, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Four six seven three six nine 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call one 800 4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code baseball and get your $1,000 first bet offer today.
0: Get yeah.
2: Day. Star Wars Day. Just click for me as I looked at this being May 4th. Are you no. a Star Wars guy? No. Me Not neither. Not, Not even 100 so, Here's a story for you. Were you a Harry Potter guy? Nope. Okay, me neither. Never watched any of that stuff, like Lord of the Rings, nothing. No. By the way, just baseball show. Thursday, May 4th. Jack. Aram. Uh we're doing like a pitcher report for the most part, but we do have something that we gotta hit on in double A. And I think Aram is gonna sound off here because he's been keyed into it. And now there have been some articles written about it that just kind of validate w- what Aram knows. So we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but when I was, let's see, it was it was the COVID shutdown, I wanna say. Um, and I was in Syracuse, and me and a buddy were you know, kind of like quarantine in the same spot. Might've been a little bit before that. We might've just been there, but everybody was talking about the Mandalorian and like, you know, Star Wars and all that stuff. So we were like, okay, neither of us had ever seen a single second of a Star Wars movie, you know, might as well just commit to it. And we were told like the order to go in, it's like four, five, six, one, two, three, for some reason. So we, we started with what? four and then we went to five. I know, but like-
3: it, the, 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 You're supposed to watch it out of order?
2: I think so. If you want to follow like the plot line, But we watched the first one. We were like, okay. And then we got halfway through the second one. And my buddy pauses it and was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not enjoying this at all. And I'm like, me too. (laughs) So we gave up and we watched, I think you should leave again, which was awesome. So that's my Star Wars experience.
3: Yep. That's more than mine. If you have to watch the series out of order, because obviously the first movie came out first, then I'm, I'm just out. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. So
2: yeah. No, Shrek is the only trilogy that I Shrek and Toy Story, the only trilogy or or I'm more that I, I really enjoy. So I'm in on those. That's what we got going. Uh, last thing before you sound off on on Double A and what they're actually playing with in Double A. Uh, Save Room by John Legend came on on my way to the ballpark. Had a double header today, starting at 11 a.m. Best time to start a double is at 11 a.m. Old John Legend is like Miami Heat Lebron, just overwhelmingly dominant.
3: Yes, no. Old John Legend is. I mean, John Legend still still can get it. Like he can still get after it. Like he's 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 the that dude. He's been that dude.
2: Yeah, guy Um, guy is him with a capital H. All right, fill me in on these baseballs that they're using in the Southern League, man, because this is like really bad. And I just I've given you the floor, and I want you to like talk to me like I'm five about it. Introduce everybody to what the hell's going on. All right, I'll preface it with it fucking sucks. So
3: basically. We know that they've tested and, and experimented with rules through the minor leagues to kind of get an idea of how that's going to work in the major leagues. Potentially pitch clock was tested in the minors. First shift limitations were tested in the minors. I think those are apples to oranges. Cause that was a common rebuttal I got on, on, you know, kind of my sound off on this, just the Southern league, not all double A, just the Southern league, these lucky players that, that got to, to deal with this baseball, have basically had to use this enhanced grip baseball is what they call it, which means it's pre-tacked. Essentially they're putting a substance on it. um, And I think in this baseball America piece, they actually highlight what the substance is. And that substance basically makes it so that you don't need to mess around with rosin or whatever. Like you are good with that baseball because it's sticky as hell. And it's weird. It's like a very weird feeling to it. What's interesting is like, I guess the idea was if we do this, then we don't have to have the gray area of like, what's rosin and sweat and you know this and that that we just saw with Max Scherzer. I get the idea. It's very clear that it's not going to work because most of these pitchers that are, are using it have seen a three to four inch jump in an in induced vertical break, which is like what every pitcher covets is to have higher induced vertical break and make that fastball just take off out of your hand. So now you have all of these pitchers that are generally usually pretty average stuff guys having their fastballs tick up to to plus, spin rates are up. It's like you might as well have spider attack. It's basically like the opposite. Like you have spider attack now. It's the opposite of the crackdown on the sticky stuff. Guys are getting way more horizontal break. Guys are getting way more vertical break on their breaking balls. And then to make it even worse, these balls don't carry. Because of the way that they cut through the air, and for whatever reason, like I've talked to a bunch of different power hitters through the minor leagues, received uh, several different DMs, And they've all said how the ball doesn't carry strikeout rates are up a full strikeout per nine up more than 5% Uh, home run to flat ball, rate Way down slugging percentage, way down batting average, way down. These guys are facing fastballs that are like Justin Verlander esque shape wise and velocity wise in double a it's an absolute atrocity that they're doing this because I get, you got to experiment. Why in double a Guys that are trying to get to the big leagues, like maybe try it in low A. These are guys that are trying to get to the big leagues and now are needing to almost learn how to hit a blitz ball, which is just total, total bullshit. And we're seeing the numbers really impacted. The average strikeout rate's almost 30% in the Southern League. Almost 30%. So you're going to get misreads on pitchers. And more importantly, you are screwing hitters who are trying to make it that maybe, you know, have to adjust to this, create bad habits, and, and totally just... Pressing to try to hit a baseball that they have never seen before and then the dumbest part of all they switch back to the regular ball in the middle of july and they're going to compare the first half and the second half like these guys are fucking lab rats like it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard I, and I, I it's just absolutely frustrating
2: so they are lab rats and you know what was so interesting was when i was in high a central the midwest league was called high a central in 2021 when they were kind of between you know naming process and all that and it wasn't technically MILB in 2021 it was the PDL the professional development league but when I was there they had a true disengagement rule where right-handed pitchers when throwing over to first could not use an inside move they had to fully disengage. oh yeah that
3: shit was so dumb
2: it was so dumb and left-handed pitchers needed to fully disengage as well so they couldn't do the leg lift and go over that you learn when you're six years old when you first start pitching in the backyard with your dad if you're a left-handed pitcher um and Delvin Zinn is a guy that I know you know that name. Yeah, but walks that up guy to, the was key like, to Shuffle. He was like 50 for 52 in the stolen base department in the first half of the season. So lab rats help certain guys. Like these changes help one aspect of athlete. They hinder everybody else. So those catchers, they look like shit because this guy's 50 for 52 in the stolen base department. Like base dealing efficiency was through the roof. You look at this. How about this quote here? I'm reading this Glazer article. Kyle Glazer from uh, Baseball America did it. And walks per nine are highest in the Southern League than any other league in double Yeah, so that's A- the
3: thing. You have, you have the grip,
2: but it's not even resulting in more strikes. It's just resulting in nastier stuff. Exactly. So Ks per nine is up. Walks per nine is up. Wild pitches per nine is up. And everybody's worst nightmare, hit by pitches per nine is up. Guys have no idea where it's fucking going. Like, How could you? It's
3: taking off an extra several inches. Uh, if it's a fastball and if it's a breaking ball, like you're, you're getting way more horizontal break. It, it, you look at the Eastern League, 9.61 Ks per nine. Southern League is 11.52. That's like incredible. we're talking about a, a total. And I know you could say, oh, what about the PCL? That was a rebuttal I got. That is that is what the environment has been since the beginning of time. Like the ball carries out there. It's You adjust to it. Why would you insert a variable? Also, this is almost like you might as well move the mound two feet in in the Southern League with the way that these fastballs are carrying. Like, this is a different sport right now.
2: That's the thing. Okay, so here's the other way. and Like, comparing it literally apples to apples. Southern League in April 22 versus Southern League in April 23. Kyle Glazer did a nice job with this. ERA down six or eight hundredths of a point. Okay, minimal. Um, Walks per nine, up nearly half of a walk per nine innings. Ks per nine up over a strikeout, wild pitches jumped two tenths, hit by pitches jumped, and batting averages down 11 points from last year in the same league. So your favorite Pensacola Blue Wahoo or your favorite Montgomery Biscuit is hitting on average 11 points lower than they would have with normal-ass baseballs.
3: And and this article is missing the one, I think, very important part that this is what I've gotten the most from hitters is, the ball isn't carrying at all. And, and this has nothing on home run per nine. I guarantee it's down.
2: I have Colby Olson already looking into it. Um, and, and you've yeah. seen guys like pop like one, one twelves, 12s, one fifteens, one 15s, like a good launch angle and they're not getting out.
3: I've seen balls hit at velocities at certain launch angles that I, I don't think like, I don't think if you pulled it from the big leagues, I don't think any balls hit at that angle and velocity or anything other than home runs. Um, and, and several of them have been outs from what I've seen, uh, so far, kind of digging through, uh, you know, some of the double a data and Southern, Southern league data. Um, it, it's a shame. Like, I don't want to spend the whole you know podcast complaining about it, but I really want to put this on people's radars because I'm very frustrated. Obviously, like I, I, I have friends now that I've, I've been fortunate enough to connect with in the Southern league and, and in AA and, and across the minor leagues. So like, it definitely like when, when you have different players reaching out saying like. This is really fucking with me like that sucks. But I have players reaching out that I've never talked to that are saying, hey, man, this is really fucking with me. I hate this and sending me a full paragraph of it. And and to me, it's not because they want to vent. It's probably because they're trying to get as raise as much awareness as possible. I'm a baseball media guy. I'm small compared to most other people. But these guys are so frustrated that they're reaching out to whoever they can to try to raise awareness to what is going on. Like, that's what that says to me. So when I get those, those DMs, it's like, wow, these guys must be really frustrated because these are busy dudes that, you know, usually don't reach out and go out of their way to, to take these kind of conversations up. So, you know, it was it was surprising to get, you know, a message from someone or, you know, a couple of people that I've never even talked to.
2: For sure. Um, Morgan Sword is Major League Baseball's uh, executive VP of Va- Baseball Ops. And um, it, the quote from them was, quote, the ball has been pretty popular among pitchers. Generally, they've reported positive that they like using it. No shit. They then follow up with the issue that we've seen so far as our strikeout rate in the Southern League is elevated relative to other double A leagues. And we think that's attributable largely to the use of that grippier your ball. You're trying to thread a needle here, so on and so forth. Um you, you mentioned like the substance. They don't tell you what's actually in the substance. This substance that they're using on the grippier ball is from Dow Chemical in Midland, Michigan. Like, okay, they're using a chemical substance. I also didn't know. I just learned something new from Kyle Glazer here. Um, that every ball, like the control Major League Baseball, is rubbed up with mud from the Delaware River.
3: That's the funniest. I saw that. That was the funniest part of it. I, I like, didn't it,
2: even know the that. Specific. That has to be the Delaware River. Got to be the Delaware like, yeah. oh man, the Mississippi, absolutely fucking no, not. Get that no. baseball out of my face.
3: Yeah.
2: It's hilarious. I had so. no idea of it. Dude, I mean, like, and we've talked about Andrew Abbott for a little bit. We talked about Abbott on the call-up. And this is a guy that saw spin jump like crazy, saw induce vertical break, jump like crazy. And you thought change to the fastball profile. Naturally, I thought changed the fastball profile. But then he jumps to triple and the data normalizes. And Abbott is still a really good pitcher. Yes. But you've got guys that are like, Career four and a half ERA guys in the minor leagues that all of a sudden are spinning it like Javier and Garrett Cole and Dylan Cease. Christian Mena of the White Sox saw
3: seven inch jump and induced
2: vertical break. That's never happened in the history of pitching. Dude, I I can almost guarantee it's not him cheating because that's the ball he supplied. But like that data jump is like it's spider tack combined with rubbing alcohol combined with rosin. Like, don't know what that is. Andrew Abbott was 16 inches of induced, up to 20 inches of induced, now up to triple
3: A, back to 16 inches of induced, still getting out, still shoving, by the way. But you know, going five innings, six K's instead of six innings, 13 K's, no hits, which is what Abbott did uh through a couple of his double A starts. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I I I feel for a lot of these guys, and uh, you know. I, I get that you got to like adapt and figure it out, um, but it's it's got to be real tough. Baseball's already hard enough as it is.
2: 31 of the 63 pitchers who threw 34 seam fastballs in the league last year compared to this year. This is also from BA, and then I'll, I'll stay off because you guys should go read this whole article. But 31 of the 63 pitchers that qualified in this among four seam fastballs saw their spin rate increase over 100 RPMs. 51. I've got 31. 51 have seen increases compared oh, to last increase. year. 31 oh. over a hundred RPMs. Oh,
3: yeah. I sorry. I misheard that. Yeah, that's that's and so 51 have seen an increase, which is almost all of them, and then half of them have seen a dramatic increase that like
2: that changes, changes your fastball difference 50, entirely.
3: Difference between a fifty and a sixty on a fastball. At that's least.
2: a it's a difference between a dead zone fastball and a high spin, like plays well top of the yeah. zone fastball
3: difference between at least or even like the next step with a lot of these guys difference between an average fastball and a plus fastball. So instead you see an average fastball almost every single day. Instead, now you're seeing a plus fastball almost every single day. And sometimes you're seeing a, a hall of fame fastball, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just comical. It's absolutely comical.
2: I assume you're going to write something on this in the next week or so.
3: Yeah. I'm going to try to find a different angle. Cause I think Glazer did a great job here um you know maybe add a little bit more context to how the ball's flying in the outfield or not flying yeah. um and and you know we'll have more data to work with on 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 hitters but anytime your your league strikeout rate is 30 percent, it's uh pretty stupid and that's I hope a they, serious I, fucking problem i hope they adjust it before july whatever um 13. i hope they do it before july 13 that's a long time
2: it's the all-star break and then they go back to the delaware river balls like
3: what what are we doing <laughs>
2: Pitching update, we're going to fly around. We, we've we got, what, three debuts that we're going to talk about. Gavin Stone, Brandon Fott, and Bryce Miller. That Bryce Miller-Mason Miller matchup was awesome, and I stayed up, like, late night, which was, you know, crazy for me. Um, also, Herman Marquez hits the shelf, and Daniel Espino hits the shelf. So let, let's get the bad news out of the way first, and let's end with the debuts. Um, let's start with Marquez. Herman Marquez as TJ, you know, this was a guy that, like, started really well on opening day in San Diego and, and Herman Marquez and Barrios were kind of like the, the butt of jokes last year with Pat Corbin because you know, Marquez it caught up to him that he's playing at Coors field, but this guy's a really talented arm. And I think that he was going to be a great trade chip at this deadline. I think he was going to be one of the notable starting pitchers available at the deadline for a contender. And now he's not, and he might be screwed contractually because he's nearing the end of that deal. Um Marquez this is really unfortunate and now the Rockies like you know you, you hope Freeland can string together some decent starts Noah Davis looked all right for a moment but I mean there's nobody that you can look at and say we've got the starting pitching advantage here
3: No um and you know I think it's it's probably one of those things now where you look at like the Marquez situation we weren't sure like if they were going to trade him if they're going to do that weird thing where they extend guys that for for whatever reason we don't know why they're extending them but they do like i thought it might be one of those situations i think he has a team option in 2024 for 16 mil yeah so it seems like they're probably gonna just hold on to him until he comes back and then they they have to i don't think
2: you're allowed to opt out when he's on the il
3: yeah i I don't even know how that like it's a shame because i think this was a guy that you know either would have pitched his way into being traded um and or you know just would have continued to just do what he does every fifth day for them, which is, you know, we, we talk about the numbers and I already got hit, but like four, nine, five ERA as a Rockies pitcher at cores, like they're trying to find guys that can do that. And, and he was one of them. Um, So, you know, I, I think they've got to really figure things out in terms of, of who they're going to plug in because it's not just, Oh, we'll find someone and plug him in. Like you got to find someone that's not going to get bombed out there. Uh, we saw them already cut bait with Urania. Like they're going to have to try to find another arm. But um, Marquez was one of the few guys that like, even though he gets bombed to the most part, like he was one of the few guys that you knew, like at least
2: could keep the ERA under five, which they're going to have to try to find someone else to do that. And that's the thing, man, a four, nine, five ERA last year. Okay. But of jokes, 94 era plus era plus accounts for ballpark and accounts for environment so that tells you that he was only slightly below average last yeah. year this guy's got a career 4-4 era with coors field as his home ballpark 4-4 if that doesn't sound great a 111 era plus you take that I've guy been,
3: i've been really hoping to see him in another jersey and in another stadium and it sucks because now that he's hurt you know may, may delay that that you know for a little
2: while you probably look at John Gray and like he got paid he was fine last year he's been fine this year I bet Rangers fans were hoping he'd be better yeah but like take what the expectations were for John Gray and and elevate those a little bit because I think Marquez is a better pitcher than John Gray
3: I mean what he did in 2018 was 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 pretty spectacular um and even what he did as a rookie like I I think that he's kind of struggled in 2020 was also fantastic overall like it, that's the crazy thing. And then he was an all-star in 2021, yeah. um, 2021. It, it's, it's kind of wild. I feel like we, we forgot, you know, what Marquez was able to do through stretches and um, you know, hopefully he comes back a little bit stronger from the Tommy John, but you know, this is a dude that I've just been like dying to see pitch somewhere else. So hopefully after this surgery, you know, he can do that. He's been pretty durable over, over the last, you know, five, six years, he's pretty much been a walking 180 innings. And then even in the shortened season led the league in innings. So, you know, he hasn't had any other ailments. You know, Tommy John almost seems like an in- inevitability for most of these guys at this point. And, you know, hopefully he can come back and continue to be that innings eater. Because again, being a guy that can pitch 180 innings at Coors every year, which is what he's
2: done, it's pretty impressive. hundred, really impressive. Um, One other IL note, and this is on the minor league side, Um, Guardians pitching prospect, we, we've talked about him before. You know, one of the best prospects, not just on the mound, like in all of baseball. If Espino is healthy, he's probably a top 10 prospect on your top 100 but daniel espino the top guardians prospect and one of the best pitching prospects in baseball right-hander uh was shut down last year after four starts five starts four starts four starts 36 punch outs four walks in four Mm -hmm. starts unfrickin believable he looked like he was apple stock um and then he's out because of a knee issue and then it's not a knee issue then it's a shoulder thing and then he aggravates a shoulder thing about a month ago And now this from Zach Meisel yesterday, Daniel Espino underwent right shoulder surgery, anterior capsule repair, and is expected to miss 12 to 14 months. Yeah. Sucks. Um,
3: My sense is that this was the last case, like the last resort. This was something that they were trying to avoid at all costs it's one thing to have the shoulder discomfort, you know, and try to get back and whatever. The second you go under the knife, that's where it's like, you don't know how the shoulder is going to respond. And we see that all the time. Um, It sucks because I was thinking about it from when, when you sent kind of like the, the rundown of what we're going to talk about today, I was walking back from getting a quick bite to eat. And I'm just like thinking about it as I'm waiting across the street. And I'm like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Daniel Espino, where it's like, Everything that's in your control, you have done, you've excelled at, you've worked hard, you've got yourself to throw 100 miles an hour, you've honed in on the command, you've dominated hitters that are older than you at every stop, and then your arm just doesn't hold up. And it's just, that that's just the the most frustrating part about this sport, I I think for me and for, for a lot of people, just covering it, like seeing so many players that, especially on the pitching side, that don't get to you know reach their potential. And hopefully, you know, he's young. And that's the thing that's working on his side here. He's you know very, very young to be getting this surgery and and hopefully can come back. He's still 22, I believe. Um, but there's just nothing more gut-wrenching than a player that we know could be one of the best isn't able to be one of the best for something that is out of his control. Um, and, and that's really a shame because it was even like that tease, like you said, in, in the four starts last year where I I was already ready to, to bill him as the next top pitching prospect in baseball. He gets off to the the most incredible start imaginable in double a as one of the younger pitchers at that level. And then we haven't really seen him since. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really hoping he can get back uh, to even be 80%, 70, if he's 75% of what he was, he's a top 100 prospect just to, just to highlight how good he is. Like I I'm basically at number 70, whatever we have him on our top 100 list. That is under the assumption that he will be 70% of what he was. That's how good he is.
2: Yes. he He's utterly incredible. And we've talked about the guardians philosophical approach to pitching and hitting, you know, like hitting, we've talked about, Hey, everybody kind of looks like Steven Kwan and Will Brennan, or, or they kind of look like Brian Rocchio who who came up, didn't make his major league debut, but it's all kind of like a subdued Ahmed Rosario. Like, all their infielders look the same. All the outfielders look the same. But then there are some outliers. Like Jean-Kenzie Noel had a great 2021, and he had 34 pumps at 22. That's a guy that's climbed because he's been so good as an outlier. Um, all the pitchers, they kind of look like a poor man's Shane Bieber. They, they take pitchability college arms for the most part. Yeah. And the two outliers have been Tristan McKenzie, high school right-hander, who was nasty, crazy stuff, crazy profile, and Espino. Espino was the other outlier. Gavin Williams, pitchability guy, stuff looks crazy. Tanner Bybee, pitchability guy, stuff looks nasty. Shane Bieber, stuff ticked up out of UC Santa Barbara. They're doing the same thing with a Tommy Mason and a Casey and a Parker Messick. Like, they've got all these guys that fit that bill, but the outliers are so exceptional at what they do that they climbed and they were world-class because of it. McKenzie looks like a great young starter in Major League Baseball, and Espino was on that track. Um, I found five other examples of an anterior capsule tear that needs repair. So the term, quote unquote, frozen shoulder is what, you know, like the anterior capsule means. So it limits mobility and it's super uncomfortable. Examples, Johan Santana in 2010, Santana was all world Hall of Fame track through his age 30 season, anterior capsule repair. He throws one year in 2012. He's done. Chris Young in 2010, Chris Young, now the GM of the Texas Rangers, Rich Harden in 2012, Dallas Braden in 2011. The only positive example that I learned from anterior capsule repair, a 20-year-old Julio Urias had it in 2017. So
3: that goes back to what I said a minute ago, I guess, is that he's young. And that might be what's working the most in his favor here. He's young. Um, cause you just gave a bunch of bad examples and then you got a Julio Arias who obviously looks great. Like that, that, it explains why they are careful with him now. Um, but man, if, if he had that Julio Arias arc in terms of like, okay, he gets to the big leagues and they're careful with him. Sounds great to me. Um, that's the one thing that's working in his favor is he's young. So hopefully, hopefully he can get back and man, like. This is one of my favorite guys to watch pitch. I'm t- like talk about fastball with a noose vertical break. It was 22 inches, and that was like off the charts. Uh, now, now that's not cool anymore. Um, but you know, it, it was it was before it was being done by everybody with the sticky balls. Like this guy had special special stuff. And you know, again, even if he's 70 percent of it, he's he's a middle rotation arm at the highest level
2: for sure. 100. Um, percent I'm looking at Arias's game logs. He threw. Does that make sense in 2017? Yeah, because he missed, what, 18 and 19? Um, no, he missed 18 for the most part. 18, he made three appearances for the Dodgers. So he got hurt five starts into 2017, and 2018 was when he came back. Um, I, I think he underwent the surgery in June. And 2018, he had a rehab appearance. He had two at the complex, four in high A, two in triple, and he made three appearances at the big league level. So that's probably like June to August that Arias was out, unfortunately. But that lines up with 12 to 14 months. Again, that's the only example of a young guy. Previous bunch were 30-plus. So it's good that he's as young as he is, but hoping for the best for for Daniel Espino because that is an incredible talent. We hope he can bounce back in the Julio Arias-type way. A couple of debuts that that I want to walk through here. Let's start with what the hell we watched on Tuesday night in Oakland. Mason Miller, Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller, 10 Ks and six innings, a one run ball. He leaves trailing one, nothing. Cause Mason Miller was no hit through seven for Oakland. And then AJ Pollock takes a random reliever named Lovelady that I had never heard of deep to tie the game at one. Oakland loses 2 one in the only quality start that they get in that rotation. The Oakland A's starting rotation has a combined ERA of eight and a half going into that start. That is three runs higher than any other starting rotation in Major League Baseball. They get seven no-hit innings from their starter, and they can't win that game. Welcome to Oakland A's baseball in twenty-three.
3: Yeah, I mean Mason Miller was awesome. Um, you know, we talked about him a lot uh, as someone that you know came on the show. Awesome story, came on the call-up that was, and and just just uh, is is a, another special special talent. Um, what I loved is. He goes seven innings and he's dealt with some shoulder stuff too. Uh he goes seven innings, cut at a hundred pitches. They were no hit innings. And they asked him, you know, after the game, like, hey, you know, what what did you feel? Like, did you, you kind of wish you could be out there for the eighth and ninth? And he's like, Of course, but you know, I I wasn't efficient. I walked four guys. Yeah. I understand. Like, and he's like, I'd rather pitch deep into the season than go for something here and stretch myself out on a game on in may 2nd and i just thought that was pretty cool and you know like they basically asked him like are you pissed that you got pulled and he said i should have thrown more strikes uh i thought that was super cool and and to miller's credit yeah he walked four he threw strikes like anytime he had two bad pitches like he locked back in he was painting 98 99 and what i love is this is a dude that hits 101 102 with with ease he was trying to go deep in the start and trying to hit spots and operating at 97 98 which is still really fast and being able to spot that better cutter was comical at 94 and the curveball was, was diabolical as well. So uh, he looked awesome. Um, and, and that was a really, really cool pitching matchup battle of the Millers and battle of the only, uh, I, like I haven't given out two 80 grade fast or an 80 grade fastball yet. And those were the two 80 grade fastballs that I finally gave out, which was pretty cool to see those guys square off.
2: Yes. A hundred percent, man. And I'm looking at the efficiency numbers, like a hundred pitches through seven, really good. A hundred pitches, f- fifty-four strikes. Like, yes, you obviously want to see that that strike rate jump, but there's a point where he's just like throwing it in the zone. I think people assume that if a guy were to throw eighty pitches and seventy for strikes, that's good. No, not you, always. Not always, especially if you're like middle middle with a lot of pitches. So you know, like a hundred pitches, fifty-four for strikes. Obviously, you want to see that strike rate jump, but they were effective misses for the most mm-hmm. part. And he said that he had command issues. Um, agreed with the four walks, but it could have been a lot worse. And allowing a run would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Went seven, no hit in a hundred pitches. So tip of the cap to Mason Miller. Bryce Miller made his major league debut. You said that's an 80 grade fastball. I mean, he was sitting 95. He topped at 97. He got 11 whiffs on his four seam fastball. And that's not seeing the A's lineup. Like that's what Bryce Miller is gonna do man what was the final line on him 10ks no walks let me pull this up real quick Bryce it Miller would. yeah 10ks yeah. no walks six innings two hits one earned 10ks no walks yep. Bryce Miller threw 81 pitches in six innings 57 for strikes this was like a battle of young phenoms and this is the only time you voluntarily turn on an Oakland A's game man
3: yeah yeah I Mason Miller is the, the only guy I want to really watch on that on that team right now um to, To the point of Bryce Miller of of the Mariners, um, this was a gutsy start. This dude was not quite big league ready, like that's the craziest part. I know it sounds backwards. Like, what do you mean he just went six innings of 10 Ks? This guy's fastball command was spectacular, yeah. Uh, when it's not there, like the slider was not good, the curveball was all right, uh, was actually pretty good. The curveball was pretty good but like this dude's secondaries are what hold him back from being like a legitimate legitimate ace or like even like a frontline guy right now he looks like more like a middle rotation guy but this shows you how good the fastball is he threw it 70% of the time in this outing and nobody could hit it and all of them were effective even the misses like you said with with Mason same thing with Bryce the misses were effective and and set up other pitches this i, I got some questions like how can you have an 80-grade fastball if it's not 100? Exhibit A. Yep. What 100-mile-per-hour fastball have you seen get these kind of whiffs? Go back and watch. It is it is special. Like Again, induced vertical break. Like Guys that have no business throwing fastballs like Bryce Miller are throwing them in the Southern League. This is what happens when you have elite fastball shape. If you give Bryce Miller the Southern League fastball, by the way, I think you throw a no-hitter every start. <laughs> it is one of the most incredible fastballs you're going to see. It, like Watch every swing. Every hitter thinks that it's going to be three inches lower. And it's not. Um, and he was toying with them with that pitch. If that slider can come along even a little bit more, this guy's gonna be a problem. But it's really cool that you could just ride a fastball to success. And that's why I say with starting pitchers, if you have a great fastball, you're you're kind of only as good as your fastball. And if not, you gotta find a lot of secondary offerings and great command to mask it. And and that's hard to
2: do. That's the thing, man. Like, who's got the better four seam fastball? Ask yourself this like, hey, if, if a four seamer needs or if an 80 grade fastball needs to be a hundred. Does Garrett Cole 96 to 97 grab a 98 have a better fastball than Hunter Green? Hell no. You don't think Garrett Cole is a better fastball? Oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I heard it backwards. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Garrett Cole has a better fastball than Hunter Green.
2: So, like, but Green sits 100, Aram. <laughs> if yeah. Green sits 100, how can Garrett Cole have a better fastball? It's because nobody can fucking touch it. That's yeah. why.
3: Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's not even close. Um, and that's that's the thing is shape is more important than velocity. Um, and, and we're seeing that. And if you have a little bit of both, right? We're not talking about a guy that's sitting 90, 93 I mean, Bryce Moore was sitting ninety five to ninety seven with the fastball. Yep. Uh, and, like when you do that with that shape, it might as well be one hundred two. <laughs>
2: okay. So
3: that's what he was doing, just blowing guys up.
2: And, and that's the thing. You, you look at guys that are low to mid nineties with their four seamer and, and Julio Rios, Christian Javier. Those are two guys that I constantly point to when you look at four seam fastball opponents hit under 200 against both those four seam fastballs last year. And and Julio is like 95 on his best day. Javier's 95 on his best day too. For the most part, those guys are 92 to 94, but the shape is so freaking good at the top of the zone and the command is so freaking good that that that's why they're that good. And as crazy as it sounds, Bryce Miller could fall into that category very, very soon. Yeah. Might've been that shot in the ass that, seattle needed yeah and three games under 500 i'm really curious to see how
3: they handle him because i do think that the longer he's in the big leagues the more pressure there's going to be to to you know find those secondaries because i mean these are these are good big league hitters they're going to figure it out like there was one swing by tony kemp i think towards the end of the game where he cheated for a fastball at his eyes and lined it back up the box and like guys will make that adjustment um second third time through the lineup and and be able to get to him but this was I, i think a great shot in the ass to like, but they, they knew like that fastball play against Oakland and it did. I do wonder what they're going to do with him now though, because this was a quick bump from double. I think you can see now what he's capable of. And that's why this is the best pitching prospect in their system, but he still has some more, you know, developing to do, which is a really interesting part. Do they swing man him bullpen? Like how, how eager are they to push all the chips forward right now? I think they might be, uh, we're seeing Oakland or excuse me, Baltimore. Bring guys up, send them down, bring them up, send them down. I wonder what, how they're going to handle Bryce Miller after this start, too. This probably changed things a little bit, too.
2: I think this changed a lot. And I think Seattle should probably feel better about letting him figure stuff out at the major league level now after this. Also, you know, like it's no coincidence that like you get closure on Robbie Ray earlier last week, right? Late last week. Um, and now you've got your top pitching prospect make his major league debut. So I, I think that. The Robbie Ray finality, knowing that you're not getting him at all this yeah. year, could have Jerry Depoto of Scott Service say, hey, might be time for Bryce Miller like just to be here full time. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. And I'm curious what's going to happen in, in now four days uh, yeah. when it's his turn in the rotation. Real quick on Arizona, um, first of two debuts, and then we'll say bye. But before the debut, Zach Gallon, is he over the hill? Five innings, three earned. He allowed a run. Took him 28 innings, but he allowed yeah, a run. He's he's cooked. ERA in the mid twos now. What's going what's, on?
3: Yeah, what's wrong with him?
2: <laughs> Crazy. Um, all right, Brandon Fott makes his Major League debut on Wednesday afternoon in Arlington, and that was a bomb fest. Fott, four and two-thirds, nine hits, seven earned, struck out three. He allowed four homers. Fott is in line for a no decision because Arizona's winning this one 12-7. They hit Andrew Heaney hard and they got to the bullpen as well. So he was saved from a loss in his major league debut. But, I mean, Fott was kind of teed off on. I don't know if it was like that kind of afternoon in Arlington, but we saw this guy teed off in the PCL. And I think that I was quick to say, oh, PCL, he's fine. Um, Maybe he's not. Like Maybe he's got some more AAA seasoning
3: it's it's weird i I, this is another one where it's like with with some of the guys that they're rolling out there i'd almost just rather see brandon fought just continue to 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 work through it at the big league level what was really fascinating to me is is the fastball you know he he threw it a lot it's not the same it's not the same as a bryce miller fastball it's a good fastball but uh 23 swings at it only one whiff on the fastball when you throw it 54 times uh you know that's that's not ideal slider looked good i think he's just got to kind of sweep the pitch usage a little bit, but it is a little alarming when your fastball gets kind of bombed like that and doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. Uh, but still, I, I would like to see him stay up there and get more, get more, you know, get more looks. It was, it was one outing against a really tough matchup for him. A lot of, you know, a lot of good bats in that Rangers lineup and in a place where the ball does carry quite a bit. Uh, yeah. But I was surprised to see the fastball, not get more whiffs. That said, I still think Brandon is their best foot forward. Maybe like a Tommy Henry or somebody else. Uh, and I want to see him, you know, get a few more opportunities. But yeah, it was, it was kind of weird to only see seven whiffs and only one of them on a fastball. That's you know not really what we're used to with Brandon Fott.
2: Yeah. So what do you think that rotation looks like at its best? It's probably Gallen, Kelly, Ryan Nelson, Fott and Henry Davies is on the IL right now with an oblique issue, but you got Dre Jamison. They just claimed Connor Pilkington on waivers too. Um, you've got Blake Walston. I don't like Pilkington either. Like, not that I don't like him, but I, I don't think that he's a major league starter for them. You've got Blake Walston there too. Um, does Jameson factor into the best version of their rotation right now, or is it Tommy Henry as the five? I think for so, sure it's Gallen Kelly Ryan Nelson fought as the front four.
3: Yeah, I think I think Ooh. Henry. You want to kind of have that lefty in there. I, I, it's tough. I, th- I think Jameson would thrive in that multi inning relief role, but I think right now with what you've seen from him, I th- I think you got to kind of consider him as that five. At least he's going to give you flashes of a lot more. Uh, but you know, I do also like having one lefty in there. But I'd say to answer the question, probably Jameson. Probably Jameson. I think Jameson's probably the best option. Best stuff, uh, and and he's shown better flashes.
2: And like I- I'm looking at. I mean, you've got Kyle Nelson as a lefty in that bullpen, Chafin and Mantiply, but those are all short inning relievers. Like Nelson, I guess, could get stretched out a little bit, but not really. So Tommy Henry makes a lot of sense on that big league roster. Um, I'm not sure who you throw to the wayside. Um, I think when Davies comes back, this rotation looks clear-cut good because you've got Fott as like the five slash six, depending on how you want to treat the Fott-Jameson deal.
3: Yeah, I I, I like I'm, now I'm thinking about it too, and I'm even looking at Tommy Henry's numbers. I like him as like the depth arm, right? Like the emergency spot starter, and just go all righties. Go go, Dre Jameson. in the meantime when Davies comes back. You put Jamison in the bullpen, and that's 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 a pretty good bullpen now too. Um, they they're they're putting it all together there. I I like I like how they're piecing together that rotation and you know if fought isn't ready though it's going to be interesting to see you know you send him back down now you know is Jameson going to stay in the rotation after Davies comes back like they, they have at least they have options which is something they didn't have in the past
2: yeah and I'm curious to see whether they deem him ready or not you know what I mean like y- you see this obviously the casual fan will say not ready but I-, I mean it's not up to us it's up to the coaching staff so so we'll see how they approach this next time through, much like Bryce Miller, Gavin stone made his major league debut yesterday. Um, We're talking in the bottom of the third right now. He's through three on 62 pitches, seven hits, five runs four earned, no strikeouts, two walks. I watched the first couple innings of stone start. And then we hopped on, um, there was not much confidence within the strike zone from Gavin Stone, and he ran into some tough luck. Like he had a you know pop up that dropped for a double for Trey Turner, and then Max Muncy had a fielding error too. But you know Stone was like missing below the zone with good change ups, but he wasn't landing the change up for strikes, and he was nibbling with the fastball too. Understandably so against Bryce Harper, but like I I mean nothing about his debut screamed confidence. It felt very cease it felt very um I mean watching Rowanzi last year like not Boz because Boz was good right away but I don't know it just felt like he lacked confidence and stuff that has gotten him to this point
3: well it's it's an interesting point because you talk about you know lacked confidence and stuff that got him to this point the fastball average of 95 last year that's what got him to this point obviously the change up is what got him here the change yeah is the change up's great change-up. The changeup's one of the best changeups in the minor leagues and he the wasn't landing ball, it. The fastball does not have great shape. It's it and it, it's okay shape, but it was 95 last year, 95 96, touching 99. This year, it's 93 94, touching 95 96. So when you are, you know, kind of a flatter fastball and you're not commanding it that well like he has not trusted it now this year because it's been getting hit harder um now now i feel like he's he's nibbling you know and I, and that's not what gavin stone does and i think that the nibbling with the fastball has kind of spilled over to the changeup uh, opponents in the in the minor leagues this year against his four seamer were hitting 360 1000 ops i know it's the pcl but that wasn't the case for for gavin stone last year so the fastball's ticked down less separation from the changeup so that makes the changeup you know not play up quite as much it's still a great pitch the so changeup still Kept opponents in check. No one's hitting it. He struck out 42% of opponents and uh 67% strike rate on it. But that that's all he's got right now. It's just a changeup. So, like that is not what Gavin Stone did last year. And that's not how Gavin Stone was successful. 60% strike rate on the fastball is subpar, 50% strike rate on the slider is extremely poor. So the command's not totally there, and the fastball quality's down. I'm I'm a little worried about him. I I, I don't know if he's totally ready given the version of what we've, I think he was more ready last year as weird as that sounds like this version of him is not ready. So I I don't know what's up, but something's not right. A hundred percent.
2: No. And you and I were in lockstep. I think we had, you know, like those Netflix group parties that you can have, where you can watch the same thing on Netflix apart at the same time. I think we were kind of doing that with his first start in Vegas. We were watching it like FaceTiming through as he went and he didn't look good. Like it was so weird because we were expecting that guy to hit the ground running. And then all of a sudden, like y- you can toss Noah Syndergaard to the wayside, but but that's not the case. And, you know, like Pepeo's on the IEL with an oblique thing. And, and you've got, as of right now, that rotation is Kershaw, Rias, May, Gonsolin, and I guess Gavin Stone. Um, Syndergaard has been terrible. They option Alex Vesia. That. Pitching situation, aside from Kershaw to this point, like Julio hasn't been as good as we expected Julio to be. Aside from Kershaw and maybe Dustin May and I guess Gonsolin, but like very early, very small sample for him just came off the I.L. Like nothing's been that good for them.
3: Bobby Miller just made his return. Like that's that must be a breath of fresh air for them. Because
2: That's their saving grace.
3: So Bobby Miller, like we talk about the shoulder and like how that can you know hit a little shoulder discomfort. I think it was very precautionary. First start back the other day, went three and a third. He was sitting ninety nine point five miles per hour on his fastball. One hit, two Ks, one walk. So uh, you know I, I think now all of a sudden Miller might be their their saving grace here. So yeah, it's 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 a wild situation. We're so used to them having a million arms, and all of a sudden with Gavin Stone looking the way he's looked with Pepio on the shelf. I think, you know, obviously they're going to make sure Bobby Miller is right physically um, and, and built up again, but he might get the call and after a few more starts. So I'm really interested to see how they handle that. Another guy that they could end up, you know, getting involved here, but he's not really been stretched out much in double A and they're kind of doing the Dodger baby thing is uh, Emmett Sheehan who looks yeah. disgusting, but I don't know if he's necessarily ready either. All these guys in double A R- River Ryan's been spectacular. They're not stretching him out. Nick Nostrini's been really good. They're not stretching him out. All of these guys are pitching three, four running spurts. Um, Nick Frasso, like their double-A rotation is disgusting. So they might have to dip like, like the Mariners did with Bryce Miller and force a guy up from double and, and try that. If, 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 if they're still struggling with Gavin Stone here.
2: Yeah. As, as corny and uneducated as this sounds, like that doesn't feel like the Dodger way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't strike me as as an Andrew Friedman move for, for him to go nab a guy from Tulsa. Cause I was thinking shit, like maybe they could do that with Bobby Miller last year. Maybe they could do that with Stone, but instead both those guys got up to triple. I think the Dodgers have been really blessed by an underwhelming division that they've been in at this point. Like Arizona's performing to a standard that I think that we expected, but not many around the league expected. They're two games over 500. Uh, San Diego's a game over 500. They have not met expectations whatsoever San Francisco just beat Hunter Brown and Framber Valdez on back-to-back days but I'm not buying any stock in San Fran and then Colorado looks terrible so five games over 500 is good enough and the Dodgers have won five in a row the offense is clicking right now and you know we've talked about it like Outman looks awesome Hayward looks freaking awesome I mean guys are starting to click Muncy's been hitting the crap out of the ball I think they can survive the lack of a five at this point right now but There's gonna be a time and like it may be in October where that rotation depth is really gonna hurt. Maybe in September when when you need a five to perform well. well.
3: And I think by then they go get somebody, right? Like that You think
2: they go get somebody?
3: I do. I do. I it's the Dodgers, man. I think they do. This is maybe the most vulnerable rotation we've seen. Like even going into the the latter parts of the season, Dustin May is going to be on a pitch count. Tony Gonsolin's always hurt. Julio Arias, though they never say it, is on some sort of a pitch count. Clayton Kershaw's on a pitch count. Um, you know, and then any prospect they call up, let's say Gavin Stone magically finds it, he's going to be on a pitch count. So you got a lot of guys that you got to manage. You got a lot of guys with injury concerns and injury history. Why wouldn't you go? We were talking about packages for like Dylan Cease, but yeah. like, why wouldn't you just go drop off a mid level prospect for Giolito? Like, Giolito would would be much needed in this rotation. Giolito is not even good. Uh, like, there's guys that I think just like, you could slot into the four or five slot and just feel a lot better about, uh, you know, your overall outlook. Um, yeah. obviously, at the peak, you got May Kershaw, Arias that's to be one of the best trios in, awesome. in baseball, but those guys have their concerns and then you're hoping Catman man stays healthy. And then we're just trying to figure out the five spot right now. Like it's at the point now where you're like looking forward to Michael Grove coming back. Like that's not good.
2: And again, like it's a one year buy; it's a rental thing. Cause Walker Buehler is going to be ready for next year. So yes. you're looking for a guy that like you can go grab. I mean, Martin Perez, like, does that guy make any sense?
3: Why would the Rangers why would the Rangers sell?
2: I don't know, but Martin Perez, he's on a qualifying offer. Like he's an unrestricted free agent after this year.
3: Again. Yeah. So I guess no, maybe like-
2: if the price is right, they yeah. want a Chad innings eater.
3: They do. Yeah, they do want a Chad innings eater. That is that is for sure. I I like even just looking across like anybody I, I know they don't when's the last time the Dodgers have traded with the Giants? <laughs> but like there there could be a, a, a Giants pitcher. That's available there that could help them. Um, you you look across like there's there's so many different options from so many different teams. Like they don't need much, they just need a guy that can just get outs
2: You know who they're gonna go get? Rich Hill.
3: Oh, that'd be electric. Yeah, absolutely. Rich Rich Hill's on a winner.
2: (laughs) For now, Rich Hill's on a
3: winner, they're not selling
2: for now. (laughs) The winner for now. (laughs) Um (laughs) I mean, they ran into a buzz on Tampa. I'm excited to watch Mitch Keller and McClanahan tonight. Um, but they lost the Fleming Contreras, uh, like I guess, scheduled advantage for Pittsburgh. So now they got to deal with Shane McClanahan. Although I saw some Pirates people putting out that they're good against lefties. I'll tell you right now, Shane McClanahan's like not a lefty. <laughs> like he's yeah, uh, it doesn't than that.
3: matter. Yeah, I don't I don't care if he's like what hand he's throwing it with. It doesn't matter. Like you're you're not hitting it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they're they're good against lefties. Okay.
2: So <laughs> we'll see, man. All right, the Pirates are good against lefties. Uh, Come, come back to me when they lose by six. Zach, to please, sack.
3: Zach. Zach, please, Zach. And then they unlock something.
2: Oh, I would. I would bow down and kiss Andrew Friedman's ring if they unlock something with Zach, please, Zach. <laughs> That That might be it. That might be it. Go get your merch, folks.
3: Oh, yeah. Are you going to grab some? yeah, I got yeah there you go
2: that go get your merch people um also capitalize on our BetMGM promo that we've got here in the show notes um but great way to support the pod is through merch I've got my just baseball hat this trucker hat fits really well it's called a rope hat on there yeah, but I, I also have that. the dad hat and I love the dad hat um just depending on like what kind of mood I'm in I can wear either of these hats um you're leave so us a five star review what
3: I said you're so versatile man
2: hey that's I'm a chameleon yeah <laughs> um yeah so leave us a five-star review go get your merch uh and capitalize on the promo code just baseball for a deposit match uh on BetMGM. all three of us will be back tomorrow to uh talk ball on the just baseball show see you guys at
0: parker our purpose is simple